So hear the word of God. This is Matthew 13, 10 through 17. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have in an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For the people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The very word of God. Well, I'm just amazed about how the Holy Spirit works and continues to work. I don't know why I'm amazed. But, um, you know, I wrote this. First of all, I'm very much, um, for 20-some years, Pastor Dave has always said to the elders, you need to have a sermon in your back pocket. And for 20-some years, I always look away or I look at my feet when this is being said. And for whatever reason, in our session meeting this past month, when we were going over the summer schedule and the, the days that Pastor Dave would not be available to preach, I said, here am I. I attribute that to Chad, who didn't kick me when I did that. But um, I'm com- I, I am getting out of the boat, as our Sunday school talked, class talked about today. But I am amazed. That, you know, I wrote, I wrote this. I consulted with Pastor Dave, and then he left. And I really haven't shared with anybody except Doug and um, a few others. But Kristen didn't know. The worship team didn't know. And all of these songs, oh, my gosh, you'll find a piece of these songs in this talk today. I'm just always amazed. Um, and then this morning, at about 7.46 this morning, my son, it's about 2.30 his time, was thinking about me. And he said, Praying for you, Mom. May God give you peace and bless your message you give today. He will use you today for his purpose, no matter what comes to pass. You know, that's true. The Holy Spirit's in charge. I don't have to worry about anything. So I want to remember um, what the psalmist said. And this showed up in the video. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord. Amen. So... um, I decided if I was going to do something, I would be the first one and do the introduction. Might as well go ahead and go for it, right? So um, the purpose, my topic today is the purpose of the parables. Why did Jesus use parables to teach us? And um, my first thought takes me back to what I know about as being a teacher with comprehension. If you want students to remember something, they need to be able to make a connection with it. They need to be able to relate to it. And that being said, my subject of preference is math and always has been. And so when I'm teaching math, 
if I want students to really understand math, I need to make sure those numbers are within a context that they can relate to. One of my favorite cartoons is that of Charlie Brown's little sister, Sally, who's sitting at her school desk, and she's got this very perplexed look on her face. And she's saying, only in math can you buy 60 cantaloupes, and no one asks what the heck is wrong with you. (laughs) And I thought, man, how many times do we have to solve a story problem about those two trains that are going to meet? And all I could think of is, I hope they don't meet. I don't want them to meet. So, but I want you to kind of think back to your days in the classroom in math. How many of you just loved those story problems? How many of you just loved them? Oh, good. I, can, I see some hands, and I might be able to go this many. So, um, but that is true, and probably because math just didn't click with us. Those story problems just didn't make sense to us. But when you started to um, get a job and think about your job, and what you needed for your life, then the numbers started to make sense because you were using them in context. It was something you can relate to. So the first thing is that parables are a way to communicate truth. It's drawing on a common experience so that people can make a connection. And I love this. They are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. So we can connect with those the, the story, the first parable we're going to go into is going to be the one about the sower. And it's about a farmer or a gardener. And I think there's many of us that can relate to planting seeds. Because through those stories, we have access to learning about the kingdom. That's what God wants. He wants us to learn about his kingdom. So the scripture for today came in the middle of a parable. And the parable is about the sower And um, this is where he answers the question why he speaks in parables. But I want to back up to the very beginning. And at the very beginning, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And my first thought is, why did he get in a boat and move away from them? Why did you know, they came to hear him talk? A great, huge crowd. Why did he get in the boat and go out to sea? And one of the commentaries that I came upon said that there's a place in the Sea of Galilee, and maybe I'll get to see that in the next couple of weeks, called the Cove of Parables. It's a horseshoe-shaped inlet with environmental acoustics that would allow Jesus' voice to carry more than 100 meters. That's longer than a football field. Can you imagine? So he didn't get in the boat to move away from them. He got in the boat so they could hear him. Had he stayed on the shore, they would not have been able to hear what he said. It was very important that they hear him. So as Jesus moves out to sea, the crowd gathers in silence on the land, just picture this, and readies themselves to learn from the greatest teacher of all, Jesus. So Jesus begins to teach in the parable, and shortly into the story, he's interrupted by a question. I can identify with that. The disciples came to him in verse 10. It says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And again, I stopped and I thought, why didn't he just go on? Why didn't he just brush them to the side and say, we're going to put that question on the parking lot. We'll come back to it later. Because he was in this flow of this parable. But he didn't. He stopped. He stopped. And then I thought, and in talking, I thought, it's, 
they, he stopped because he, that was a signal to him that they were wanting to know. They were engaged. They asked the question, why do you speak in parables? And I have to believe that if Jesus would not have explained why he spoke in parables, if the question had not been asked, they asked the question so that he could answer it. And what does he say? Why does he talk in parables? Why does he use parables? First of all, the scripture goes on in 11, and it says, And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So that's why he wants us to know the secrets or mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Those two words, secrets and mysteries, are interchangeable when we talk about the kingdom. If you think about mysteries... The purpose of mysteries are so they are revealed. We read that novel, that mystery, and we just can't wait to get to the whodunit. We know that it's going to be real, revealed to us, hints along the way, little clues along the way that we can start to put together, and it's going to be revealed to us. Jesus wants to reveal to us the kingdom. But when we interchange the word secrets, to me, that secret has a different kind of connotation. It's like people keep secrets from us. They don't want us to know the secrets. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He says, you know the secrets. They've been given to you. He wants us to know those secrets. So that's one of the first reasons is he he speaks in parables so that the secrets of the kingdom, we will learn about that kingdom. The second reason, parables are not only, only explain meaning, but also allows us to create meaning. This is something that really resonated with me. Parables are a source of Christian faith. It explains what Christian faith, what it means to have faith in God. If you read those stories. But then it also tells us how we should live a Christian life. And to me, that's creating meaning. We can create meaning, and that tells us, okay, now that I believe, what should I do with that? What should I do with that? This should not be kept a secret from us. Jesus realizes that people who discover for themselves learn more. He doesn't want to just tell us. He kind of wants to embed it in a story so we can create the meaning because it will mean more to us if we do that. Um, He says we are less likely to forget what we have learned if we struggle a little bit along the way. In math, that's called productive struggle. We want our students in school to kind of struggle with those story problems a little bit. We don't want to jump in and rescue them too early, because if we do, they're not going to learn. And so we let them struggle along the way with supports. Now, as I was reading this about struggling and learning and trying to think, okay, I can relate to this. When I was in high school, I took math classes because, as I said, that was my, my preference. So I took a lot of math classes. When I got to be a senior, the only class left for me to take was calculus, and I took it because it was the next class to take. I didn't take it because I thought I would do something wonderful with it. I just, I was a senior in high school. I was already thinking about not being in high school. But I can recall vividly one day, the teacher called on me to go up to the board, and at that time, and I know many of you in this audience can relate to this, and some of you in this audience will not be able to relate to this, but we had a chalkboard, and we could go to the board and put our problem on the board. And so I, he called on me to put a problem on the board, and I, I looked, and I thought, oh, I can do this. I have my homework done. I knew that I had the right answer because the answer matched the one in the back of the book. I knew I was right. 
I thought, I can do this. So I go to the board, and I put this calculus problem on the board. And there's a couple other people that have been asked to put their problems on the board. And I turn around to sit down, and Mr. Schuster, I can remember the teacher vividly, he said, wait a minute, Kim. He said, I want you to explain your work. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I, could, I did okay in calculus because I could see with my eyes a pattern. I could find a pattern. I listened to the instruction. I could use the right words. But I really didn't understand what I was doing. So I thought, oh, my gosh, the truth is going to come out now. So I start to explain, but I had a really good friend, Ed. And Ed would sit in, he was sitting out in class, and I would look at Ed. And as I started to go through, he would just give me this smile. And if I started to go down the wrong path, he did this. And I knew not to say any more. And I kind of maneuvered my way through this explanation. It was probably the longest you know, two minutes in my whole life, and I could not wait to take my seat. And now, looking back as a teacher, I don't think I fooled Mr. Schuster at all. I think he probably thought, well, Kim got the right answer, but she has no clue what she's doing. You know, I knew enough to get a B in class, and I went on, and I knew enough to get an A in college. But you do not want me to work on any bridge or plans that I'd have to employ my calculus. I could not differentiate an equation today. I have forgotten all of it. So I think back to the scripture, and it says, to those who have, a lot will be given. If I understand it, there's a lot I can do with that knowledge. But if I don't understand, it's going to, be, I mean, it's going to leave me. It's going to be temporary, and that's exactly what happens with calculus. I didn't understand it. I have no clue about it now. I have no clue. God does not want us to learn about the, the kingdom and for it to be just something temporary. He doesn't want it to be for a brief moment of time. He wants us to know those secrets. He wants to reveal those mysteries. He wants us to really see with our eyes and hear with our ears and understand with our hearts because he wants it to become part of us. He does not want us to forget. Um, he allows us, Jesus allows us to discover for ourselves the mysteries of the kingdom. Yes, he could just tell us the answer. It's in the back of the book. He could just tell us the answer, but that's not what he wants us to do. And thirdly, Jesus is using the parable to test the spiritual life of the audience. Or you can think of that, he's testing the heart of his audience to test the heart of his listeners. And he goes on to say in Scripture in 15, for the people's heart has become calloused or hardened. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts in turn, and I will heal them. Whose hearts is he talking about? He's, he's talking about the hearts of the listeners. He's talking about our hearts, his audience. Are they open so that we can hear the message, or are they closed? And how does Jesus know who he's talking to? So we're going to take a little closer look at that audience or the crowd and who's out there. And so as I think about this scripture, I think about who might be out there in the audience. And I'm not at all looking at you in this way, okay? <laughs> but, you know, you look at body language. And for those people who are really engaged, 
listening to Jesus. They're leaning in. They, they're hanging on to his words. They're on the very edge of the shore. They're listening. And their hearts are open. So those who are leaning in are eager to learn, and their hearts are open. That's the body language of someone who's engaged and wants to know. Others in the crowd are probably leaning out. They're probably leaning out. They're not yet convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. Perhaps they are leaning, but they're leaning in the opposite direction. Maybe they're leaning away from Jesus and towards following religious rules. Their hearts are closed. Here's this guy. He's been teaching. I want to know more about him. I want to hear what he says. But, you know, if it doesn't match the religious rules that I know, I'm out of here. So in that crowd, you had those people who were leaning in. Their hearts were ready. You had those folks who were leaning away. Their hearts were hardened or calloused. And then I'm sure there were those who were sitting on the fence. They just weren't sure yet what to think. But this is not where Jesus wants us to stay. He does not want us to stay on the fence. He wants us to make a decision. But he's not going to tell us the decision to make. He's going to reveal the mysteries and let us know those secrets. And if we're ready, we're going to know exactly where we should be. I want to make a note here that God does not force anyone to accept the message. It won't happen. Those whose hearts are ready are open will respond to his teaching by asking more questions. The more we know, the more we want to know. Isn't that true when you think about yourself? The more you you learn about something, you want to know more about it, and you ask more questions. I think about our Sunday school class today. We watched a video and a clip, but when it's over, we have more questions. You know, it's like, I wonder why, or how did this happen? And he said this, but what about this? There's questions. So the more we learn, the more we want to know, because we're engaged and we want to know. These are disciples, the people who want to be more like Jesus, who want to know as much as they can about that kingdom of God. Others, people who are spiritually unresponsive, we would say that their hearts are closed and they turn away from Jesus. And they look, but they don't see. And they listen, but they don't hear. They're just kind of going through the motions. Jesus knows that not all of us will understand or are ready to understand at the same time what he has to tell them or, you know, what he's going to tell us about the kingdom. And I'm sure he's sad about that. But he doesn't give up on us. He gives us lots of opportunities to learn about his kingdom. There's a whole book full of opportunities to learn about his kingdom. The very nature of Jesus is to forgive. So if we're not ready and we don't hear, if we ask, seek and you shall receive, there'll be forgiveness. Mark 4, 12 is the parallel scripture about this. And, and um, it's the same account of this parable of the um, sower. And in that it says, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn again. And instead of saying, be healed, it says, and be forgiven. Jesus is bound to forgive us. 
every single time. But that's not what he prefers to do. He wants us to get it. He eventually wants us to wants us um, to understand. He does not want us to keep coming back without our hearts being transformed. He wants our hearts to be open, not closed. He wants us to get it. So Jesus says to you, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. To you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. And why? It's the disciples. He's talking to the disciples. And why has he singled them out? He hasn't really singled them out. They singled themselves out by asking the question. Because they asked. That is why. Because they asked. They are the ones who want to be like their master. They get it. They realize that the kingdom of heaven has arrived, that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the son of God. But they want to learn more. They want to learn the secrets of the kingdom. They are curious. They're leaning in. In reality, again, they're just like you and I. They want to become more like Jesus. They'll fall short because they're not Jesus, and we will never be Jesus. But we strive to be more like him, to know the kingdom. And what do we do? We just ask. Every time we just ask, and he'll tell us. They realize the kingdom is different than what was anticipated, and through the parables, another reason for the parables, Jesus reveals to them how the world will operate before the kingdom is fully and finally manifested. He wants us to be aware of the kingdom, and not only just what, how the kingdom is, but what does that mean to me in my life, in my Christian life? Because, you know, I can, I can be a part of that kingdom. What does it mean for me now? By asking a question, Jesus knew that their hearts were open and they were ready to learn. Beginning with verse 16 in the same scripture, Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So people, prophets and people who are righteous still didn't get it. But they long to get it, and eventually it will be revealed to them. God will reveal himself to you. There's no doubt. Entrance to the kingdom occurs with God's righteousness in the heart. And there's kind of a theme with the music today. It's about that heart, the heart of a believer, which results in becoming a disciple. You and I can be disciples. What matters is in our heart. And here it is in Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you just can't say that he's Lord You have to know it in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So I think about this is I can see and I can perceive it. I can listen to the words and I can hear it. 
but I've got to transform it in my heart. I have to believe it in my heart. And then he doesn't want us just to keep it in our heart. He expects us to talk about it so we can see it and we can hear it and we can believe it, but we don't stop there. We have to share it. We have to confess it. Jesus speaks in parables because he wants us to deeply, deeply understand the kingdom of heaven, not superficially. He wants us to ask questions so that we learn by creating meaning. He knows that as we ask questions, we will be creating our own meaning. We can wrestle with it. Those who seek will find, and here it is. And this was our song, Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Just ask. So in summary, I just want to go back and highlight a few things. Parables are the ultimate teaching tool. Jesus knew that people would listen to stories. Since the beginning of time, the story has probably been the primary method of sharing information throughout history, information that was passed from generation to generation through stories, through word of mouth. I know in the classroom, if I can relate something to a story, kids kind of perk up and they listen a little bit better. And that was true in Jesus' day. He knew that people would stop and listen to stories. We remember stories. And why do we remember stories? Because there's a connection. There's an emotional, it tugs at our heartstring, and there's a connection. And because we have a connection, we now have access to the kingdom. We have access to learn. Jesus tells us stories so that we have access to the kingdom. It's that connection. He allows us to ask questions. He doesn't cut us off. We can come back to him with as many questions as we want because he can answer every single one of them all the time. And actually, I believe he encourages us to do so. Through parables, not only do we understand the kingdom, We understand the meaning, but we're able to create meaning, and our hearts will be transformed. And to me, what this tells me over and over again is you've got to understand it, but you've got to, on your own terms, create that meaning, change your heart, and go out and live the life he wants you to live. And it's going to take a while for us to get there. So why a parable? Well, there's an author, and his name is Kenneth Bailey, and he says a parable is a house in which the reader or listener is invited inside to take up residence. Think about that. A parable is a house in which the reader or listener is invited inside to take up residence. You've been invited into someone's house, and you're going to stay there a little while. It's not something just to read and go on. It's, it's to stay there a little while. And that's just what we're going to do this summer over the next several weeks. We're inviting you to do, um, to take, we're going to approach a couple of parables. We're going to take up residence, and we're going to learn about them. The parable is about, this first parable is about a sower sowing four different types of seeds. Each seed has radically different results when it is sown. This leads us to ask the meaning of each seed. So what do we want to do? We want to lean in. We want to listen intently with an open heart so that we can dig deep so that the secrets of the kingdom are revealed to you. Not only so we understand the meaning, but we are also able to create meaning for our own lives and be transformed.
Uh, thank you so much, Kim, for opening God's Word for us here today. If I were to say to you, um, two all-beef patties, special sauce, help me. I just, most of you are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. But, but um, those of us with gray-colored hair remember um, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. When we hear a part of something, it takes us to something else. Kim, as you quoted, as Jesus quoted Isaiah, it took them back, back to a passage that many of them knew from their childhood, from their vacation Bible school, where God had revealed himself powerfully to them. In fact, Isaiah, the, the one that Jesus was quoting, said, I was in, in the temple of the Lord and and smoke, the glory of God filled the temple like smoke filling the temple. And I heard God say there in that place, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Who has ears to hear and eyes to see and will take the message that the kingdom of God is here to a world that so desperately needs it. Some of you are going to be doing that tomorrow and our great prayer is that God would richly bless you as you do that. But come on up for a second, if you would, uh, Kath. Um, and um, some, of, uh, some of us are taking that to a whole new uh, mission field as well. I'm not sure how many of you were aware, but, um, but for I don't know how many years it's been since Bill finished up at Epworth that um, you guys have been back with us, um, um, loving Jesus and sharing the kingdom of heaven with us. For how many years? Upwards of 30, you have been blessing children. Yes. In 36. 36. How yeah. can you be 39 and That's have right. a talk? You see the gray? <laughs> um, but God has called uh, Bill and Kathy to a temporary, Lord willing, for my perspective, a mission field in Ohio. Bill is already there. He's the pastor of Tabernacle Church, interim pastor of Tabernacle Church, where where he's going to help them through a transition from one uh, pastorate to another. And God answered our prayers. We've been praying for several weeks that he would bring the details of your life together so that you could go and join him right right away. And that just came together, did it not? It just did last week. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, God. Thank you. But um, Kathy's going to go and join her husband, and they're going to serve Jesus by shepherding and, and loving um, Tabernacle Church in Youngstown, yes. Ohio. Mm-hmm. And um, we just wanted to take a moment, and as you have said, here am I, God, send me, we want to ask God's blessing for you. Can we do that? Absolutely. Reach out for her, would you? God, thank you for our precious brother and sister in Christ. We thank you that Bill is even this moment probably um, opening your word to this new call. But thank you that your word never falls void. Um, You have used Kim in our lives today to open up the truth of your word. Um, You've prompted questions in us. Use Kathy, would you? Use Bill to to elicit a kingdom response from people in Youngstown, Ohio. Use them powerfully for this next year, this next year and a half while they're apart from us, God. And, and, and honor the desire of their heart that many would come to know you as a result of their faithfulness. God, it's so hard for us to let them go. 
But our calm assurance is this, that you who have begun this good work in them are going to be faithful to complete it. Now, God, grant them everything they need to fulfill your call. Bless them richly as they serve you, God. And we will look forward with joy to seeing and hearing and and, um, experiencing the life transformation that happens as a result of their faithfulness. We love them, God. And we love you. And we entrust them to you now in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, be with you. Would you stick around and let people greet you before you go today? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. God granted me. Um, I had a language go BFF uh, when I came here. Pastor who experienced um, everything I experienced, who understood. And it's like God is pulling out the, um, the fluff from the eagle's nest, right? He's pulling out all the things that we trust in and saying, get out there. Get out there and, and count on me and me alone. God's question to Isaiah is his question to you today. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Who will risk what Kim has risked this morning and speak? Speak the truths that God is teaching you. 